Hello everyone, welcome. Before I introduce my guest, I would like to make a few announcements. We have a book club going on and the meetings are being very interesting and inspiring. In March, we'll be reading When Things Fall Apart, a book by Prema Chondrum. She's a Buddhist teacher. And in the book club, we share experiences and the intention of this club is to build community and expand our process of self-healing. You are welcome to attend. And if you would like to attend as a guest and see if you like, please check my website, Lou. Cami.com. If you are interested in hypnosis sessions, I have a few spots available for March. I offer online and in-person sessions in Ithaca, New York. Recently, I had great success in helping people in releasing fear and sadness. And when I work with people, I work on creating a vision and then eliminating the energetic, emotional, and mental blocks that are preventing them from reaching and living their full potential. My website is lu.cami. My Instagram is lu.cami. Let me introduce the guest of the day. Robin Law bridges the physical with the non-physical world to bring you purpose-driven, self-healing, self-help books. She's an international speaker, transformation facilitator, energy intuitive, and spiritual seeker. Her inspirational writings are given by the elders. They provide invaluable insights and suggest refreshingly simple steps to engage. All right. Thank you, Robin, for being here today. Such a pleasure. Um, I'm very impressed about your story and your work, and uh, thanks for being here today. Well, thank you for having me, Lou. I appreciate being here. Yes. Uh, so, Robin, could you tell us more about your cultural background and upbringing? Um, I grew up in a religious household and uh, learned catechism and all the religious aspects. And as I grew older, I realized that there had to be more. I had a mother who was always searching for something beyond what she had grown up with. And I've been grateful to have that example. She was rather fearless in her pursuit of not stopping really for much of anything to get to where she thought she needed to be in a spiritual sort of objective. And so that was a great role model. My dad was more of a businessman. And so I had both aspects in my life in which to choose so yeah that's my that's my short story <laughs> that's so wonderful and um so i i read that you had uh, a near a near-death experience and that affected you and that was like something that influenced um your path right now could you tell us a little more about how that experience has transformed you and influenced you? Well, it was the first time that I actually communicated with the elders who I get insights from. I didn't know that I was communicating with them at the time. I just was in recovery and heard a male voice very prominently say, do you want to live? And at the time, I wasn't sure. I'd just gone through a divorce that was rather difficult and had gotten very sick afterwards. And so I knew that my recovery would be a lengthy one. 
And I didn't know really at that point if I wanted to continue. And I asked for 24 hours to respond. And in doing so, I don't think I took the full 24 hours, but I just wanted to not make a harsh and fast judgment and one that I might regret. So I just wanted to sit on it a little bit and ponder it. And you can see I'm here today. So (laughs) the answer was that I wanted to continue on. So it was quite a profound occurrence because there was no one in the room but me. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit life changing. And how that can, how did you develop this connection with the elders after that experience? So it wasn't for many years after that experience that I got to know the elders. Um, it was actually that I was in Boulder County, Colorado. And I always attribute it to the convergence of the energy in the mountains. And I had previous to that sat for hours sometimes trying to align and tune in and to see what I could receive and had gotten insights that I call energetic bursts of energy um, that come to me in words. And so I would write them down. But in Boulder, I got a little bit more uh, aggressive, I guess, in wanting a little bit more, wanting to really figure out what this thing was and what it all was. And so I started getting insights from the elders. And finally, I said, what am I to call you? And they said, you can refer to us as the elders. And I said, gee, that sounds so formal. (laughs) Is there something that's not quite as formal that I could call you? And they said, that will do this will do for now. And in time, we can always change how you refer to us. But for now, this is a good way to to reference us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it all began. And and you started to build this bridge, this communication uh, that was through writing, through journaling, or through you, you started to hear the voice again. Well, so a lot of people call this channeling, mm-hmm. and I don't call it channeling. I call it bridging consciousness. Awesome. And so channeling to me is... And it may not be that way for others, but my understanding of channeling is perhaps communicating with a deceased relative or someone that has been alive that some call entities. And this is not that. These are those that are defining themselves as pure consciousness, infinite awareness. And so they don't have the filtering of the mind and have never had the filtering of the mind. And so they have that 360 view of of life and our of our life. And so they're in many ways um, much more than that. So uh, I call it bridging consciousness. And when I get our bursts of energy that I hear, and here is a loosely used term <laughs> in this case, but I get that insight and then I write it down. And often I try to write it down as fast as I can. When I just had an event a couple of weeks ago and a month before it was to come into being, I asked for an outline of the event so I would kind of know what it was we were talking on because they don't, they like to give it fresh. They like to get the energy in the room and to see what the energy in the room needs. And so uh, I asked for this outline and I got four pages in about 20 minutes. And it was about as fast as I could type. So uh, it's it's an amazing process. And it's 
one I feel very blessed to be able to receive. That's wonderful. So could you tell us more about your work when you are working with clients and when you are doing your intuitive work? Um, so when you are with, with, with people, you are writing as well, or you are in a conversation receiving messages? So it just depends on what the questions are. Sometimes, so I've been doing this for a while. I've been in their energy for a while. And I've done a number of consultations. So if I know the answer, most immediately, I'll probably give it individually. Mm -hmm. And then if it gets into something that I don't know, then the elders will answer those questions. Mm -hmm. That's very, very beautiful. Could you tell us more about uh, your book? Well, so the most recent is the orange book. <laughs> I'll step aside. Uh -huh. uh, so the greater purpose is a book compilation and uh -huh. it's comprised of three little books, the little book to find your purpose, the original purpose and enact your purpose. And I combine them into one book called the greater purpose simply because I wanted to make sure that those who read this received it in a little bit of ordering and also receive the total understanding instead of getting maybe books one and three and missing book two mm -hmm. or getting books two and three and not getting the foundation of book one. And so I joined them together to eliminate that. They're still available individually, but I really prefer the greater purpose and then awaken. So the greater purpose and awaken uh, the definitive guide to transformative change. They both, um, were released in October of 2022. Awaken, I've just changed the book cover and it's newly out on Amazon and I'm uploading it into Ingram hopefully today so that that will also be available in bookstores as well. But uh, they are very newly out there and available. And one is the means of self-healing and the other is the guide to finding your purpose. Mm -hmm. could, could we talk a little more about this process of self-healing and what is this about for you and what you received uh, from the elders about this theme? Well, so Awaken was a, <laughs> I don't want to say it was a tough book to receive, but when a lot of the insights were unknown to me at the time that I was receiving them, you um, very much focus on the way the words come through so that you don't change the words to make it something that you understand as opposed to something that's new and is something that you grow to understand. And so Awaken is all about uh, expressing, I guess, that we have trapped energy within and that trapped energy is typically negative energy because we push through oftentimes the negativity in life and the negative experience because we don't really want to feel that negative thing. So we want to get to the other side of it. And so we push down the feeling component. But when you're in this space, which I'll suggest is because you want to understand something that you didn't know when you were spiritually placed. So if you started out a spiritual essence and that spiritual essence needed to have this life experience, because here in this life experience, we know things by how they feel, right? But when you're spiritual essence, you don't have the means of feeling those things in quite the same way. And so you needed to have the soul, which is the encapsulation, 
of the spiritual essence to have this life experience. And so if you realize that not only do you need to understand the good, but you also need to understand what's not good in that experience. So you have the the more complete understanding of how that thing is. So if you only knew good of the thing, how would you know how really good it is if you didn't know its converse energy or its opposing energy, which is that opposite energy? So you need to express and understand both. And so often those that came initially into this earth experience only were focused on, I would say, the good part of it, but not the other part of it. And so when they experienced that negative energy, it took many out of embodiment because they didn't understand why they were feeling or having to experience this negative thing. And so it is the complete package. And trapped energy within the body is the beginnings of disease and illness. And so if you have a lot of negative energy and the synergistic energy is trying to meld with a negative energy so that there's more of a synergistic flow, then all of a sudden you've got the trappings of the creation of disease and illness, which over time manifests in ways that then is treated by the symptoms, but doesn't get to the core issue of what that thing was. And so you're just medicating the the issue as opposed to eradicating the thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that book is about. It's, a, it's about 50 plus exercises, meditations, insights, um, steps that you would take and you unlayer, unlayer, unlayer until you get to the point in chapter 14 where you can move to reset your subconscious back to universal design. I love this term universal design. That would be that would be this awakening moment when you when you align with universal design. So when you align as you're meant to do, it's it's becoming consciously aware, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that conscious, it's all the buzzwords that you hear today of self-realization, consciously aware, present moment awareness. So when you move in a way that you um, start to see things as they truly are, as the gift that every moment is, even those bad things, when you can see a bad thing and know that it's a wrapped gift, that you just can't see the, the, the inner components of what this thing brings. But when you get to the other side of it, so there was a woman that I spoke with that had um, a broken ankle and she was very upset with her husband because he didn't understand all that she had to do within the day. They both had jobs and then they come home and she'd cook dinner, do the laundry, clean the house, do all those other things. And she was starting to get really angry about it because she'd been doing it for 30, 40 years. And then she broke her ankle and she couldn't do all those things like she'd done before. So her husband had to step up and help her. And in doing so, he all of a sudden realized what a burden it was and how much work it was. And, And she was kind of on the verge of divorcing him. And then he saw what she was going through and he recognized how selfish he had kind of unknowingly been because he didn't realize that there could be any other way. That's the way a lot of people grew up is knowing that 
the wife was to do all those things in addition to raising the children and having the job. And, you know, it makes for a very difficult life. And so at the very end of, of our communications, I said, so a broken ankle was a great gift, right? And you could see the light bulb go on. She'd never thought of it that way. She was like, oh, yeah, it really was a gift because it kept her marriage together. It changed the way he operated within the household and it changed their marriage moving forward because they were able to keep their marriage that way. And to be able to to be to be open to see the gifts mm -hmm. in periods of sorrow or or grief it is it can be very challenging because we need to unpack many layers of limiting beliefs or conditionings that are trapped in the body emotions right so it's a process of unpacking so many layers so we can see the truth well sometimes it's all a matter of perspective so what the elders say is release beliefs release anything that you feel like is self-limiting and to start there because a belief needs to be reinforced by the perspective. But if you release the belief, then the perspective will yield because a belief is only a limitation because if you believe this, then you can't believe that. But if you don't hold that anymore and you don't hold that premise. So all I'll say is for each person, I would believe it would be different. And it's simply a choice. Sometimes you do have to get to the other side of it. But I've had things that have happened now that are bad that I'll start to chuckle. I had, um, I was upstairs in the kitchen one day and I had a loud ringing in my ear. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, am I getting tendonitis? Well, my mom had very significant tendonitis. It would caused her to not be able to get up out of bed and, and made her very disoriented. So I could have run to my computer and started to Google, okay, what does it mean to have tendonitis and how often does it come and how long does it last? And, you know, what are the symptoms and all those different things? And instead I chuckled at it and I stopped and I thought about it and I said, well, what am I not hearing the way I need to be hearing it? How could I hear things differently? And immediately the tendonitis stopped. And so what I propose is that a lot of occurrences, a lot of little aches and pains that we have are simply a means of direction. And if we chuckle at them and not worry about them and just look at them in the quizzical wonderment of a child, then we might find that those things that we later anchor mentally by our mental focus on it might not stick around as long as they have because we look at them differently. Mm, I love that. It's a process. Yeah, it's a process of embracing whatever you are experiencing and playing with it rather than resisting and putting under the carpet. Exactly. It can be shameful as well to feel, to experience these feelings and it makes it more fun, you know? Right. It makes it, the mind is so serious and the mind is like, and so 
What I find really fun is when the mind will suggest something because it does judgment often and it does negativisms often. And not as often now for me lately, um, but what I find is really fun is when the mind interjects something and you catch it and you start to chuckle at it. Not a full-blown laugh, just a little chuckle. Mm -hmm. And then the mind completely shuts down. It doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. How could you laugh at this thing that is very serious? And you need to be very astute and pay attention to what this thing is being offered. And how can you think of this negative thing in such a whimsical, funny light? That is just not appropriate. It doesn't know what to do with that. And it just, there's complete stone silence, which is kind of, you know, when you're used to having a lot of mentalness coming through, it can be kind of shocking to all of a sudden not hear anything in those, <laughs> in that echo chamber. And so try it sometime um, and see what result you get. But it's it's always the whimsical wonderment of the child that the elders recommend that we engage in to just look at life in a less serious posture because they said humanity takes themselves way too seriously. <laughs> and I like what you said about dissociating yourself from the discomfort. We do this a lot in hypnosis, right? In hypnotherapy. We give a form and a shape to the discomfort, put it outside of the body and ask what you need to feel better, exactly what you did. And so often when we do that, we, we experience this release and we we experience that uh, the medicine is already within us. It seems to me in the realm of spirit or in the realm of soul, we are all one. I don't know. Let, let me just complete this thought and then I would like to know what you think about that. But you know, uh, in hypnosis, we work with the three levels of the mind, the conscious, the subconscious, and the superconscious. The superconscious is that one self, God self, higher self, maybe, I don't know, we could say that wholeness, that creative intelligence that we can channel and we can access if we are in, in this space of allowance. It seems to me that you have you put a lot of effort and willingness to connect with that creative intelligence, that space where you you find this union and and you can channel that. Is that something that you could talk about? The souls or the spirits that are the entities that you've been channeling and what they tell you about who they are or um, what's our connection to them? So first I'll say um, on the earlier comment that you made about not being in the occurrence. So what the elders always say is be of the occurrence, but not in the occurrence. So if you have a bad circumstance and someone draws you into it to not be pulled into it, as they might suggest, but to be almost the impartial observer so that your energy doesn't go into the occurrence and then you stay more impartial and you don't get drawn into the energy of that thing. And then what I'll say on the other is that I, so I look at it as bridging consciousness and they aren't departed souls or souls because they've not incarnated. So you have to incarnate in order to have a soul. And I would term them as spiritual consciousness and how they define themselves is pure consciousness, infinite awareness. And I've been listening. Um, they've given some beautiful 
meditations that um, was actually supposed to have released on Friday. And I just discovered today it's on YouTube, but my blog post didn't go out as it should have. So I've got to call them <laughs> today and find out why. But in that they describe a new way to engage from the heart center. And I probably listened to it 10 times this morning wow. to really get what they were saying internalized. And I realized I couldn't do it in all one setting. So I paused and I'm going to do it every morning, like not just once or twice, but quite a few times, because every time I listen, there's a sentence or two sentences that I didn't hear previously. And there, it's only a 10 minute meditation, but it is unbelievable. And what they talk about. So they always say that the first thing in the morning, you engage from the heart center. You don't do it from your phone <laughs> and you don't do it from the TV and you don't do it from your laptop. And some of it is a little bit of a retraining. But what they shared is that you start from the heart space and they gave this beautiful heart meditation where they said, now we want to grow what you know. And they asked for us to envision a rose over the heart space. And as you place the rose in that position, that you see all the petals starting to open and at the very core of the of the rose is that center mm -hmm. and to see universal love and they are from the energy of love so they know universal love very well they said that is how you now enter your heart space and they said there's much more to this but this is where we want you to begin and it was amazing and I'm getting chills right now because when I finally really understood it, I've had this little issue that's been going on and it immediately went away. And that's just been from this morning. So I'll see how it progresses in the next week. But I was so grateful at that point. I was grateful for this negative thing that I've had. Because now I could see the difference of how it was with this little kernel of knowledge. And so what I know for sure is that I know so very little and how incredibly abundant universe is if we're receptive to receive and we're receptive to look at life just a little bit differently than we had before. Thanks for sharing. I would love to leave the link of this meditation in the descriptions so people can access that. And there's actually three. Um, the first one was released on Wednesday. And I get all the dates confused. There are three that really tie into each other. So I'll give you all three. And the third one will be coming out next week um, that all tie in. I'm just trying to like I worked not hard, but the first one I listened to a number of times and this next one, which is the universal love meditation. I've listened to more times <laughs> and there's no telling how much I'm going to have to listen to the third one, but it's, it's a matter of allowing yourself to 
integrate and incorporate the understandings because the mind can only, the mind's not meant to understand spirituality. It just isn't in its program of thinking. And so you almost have to get the mind out of the way and allow it to permeate your being so that you can get that greater impact of what it is and what it means. And when you're willing to do that and you're willing to release the beliefs that have held you in a certain line of understanding, not to say that they were bad or wrong, but we evolve and we grow. And we evolve and we grow because we release what we thought we knew before to step it up maybe just a little bit so that we can incorporate more into our lives. And that's what they're seeking to do because their objective is to reconnect us to our original purpose, our soul's purpose for being in this space. What is our original purpose? So they describe the original purpose as that that purpose that our soul. So let me start it this way. We began a spiritual essence. We began as a spiritual being that didn't have any boundaries. You know, we were energy. And so in order to understand something that perhaps we didn't understand when in that form, we needed to come into form here because earth is that schoolroom of understanding. Earth is the ability to understand what we didn't understand when we were spiritually placed. And so you need a soul. So that spiritual essence then comes and becomes or encapsulates to become a soul. And then there are different personalities, so different lifetimes, different experiences that are expressed to get about what the soul wanted to understand. The difficulty today is that the mind is that quick reactionary reference. And we've gotten tired of waiting to get that connection to our soul because we readily connect mentally. And so the mentalness, what the elders say, will not get you there. So if you've got a big life decision going on and you want to know what way to go, do you ask in prayer or any other way, but do you connect here in your, in your thoughts or do you connect from your heart space? And most people don't think about the difference. Many just ask mentally. So if you ask mentally, you'll get a quick answer. But is it the long-term solution? Is it the thing that will bring you that long-term happiness? And so we get those aha moments. But is it an aha mental moment? Or is it an aha heart space moment? And what I propose and the elders propose is that we make more of an effort to align from the heart space so that we have a long-term solution. And so the original purpose is that purpose that is the overarching. So you look at the original purpose like a, like a wheel and each lifetime you have a life purpose and it's a spoke on the wheel, but it's not the entire wheel. And so in order to move beyond the rounds of incarnation, we have to fulfill the agreement, which was described in that little orange book within the three book trilogy. 
that talks about the agreement that our soul entered into in order to have this life experience and these life experiences. And in order to relinquish the tethering that ties us into reincarnation, we satisfy or we would need to satisfy what we, our soul, set up in order for us to have this experience. And once we do, then we have a choice as to whether or not we incarnate again. But each time it's almost, they say it's almost like we're immediately redirected into another lifetime. As if we know that we have another lifetime, even if we didn't believe in reincarnation during the lifetime, when we get to that in-between time, it's almost like we're funneled into another life experience until we satisfy why we chose to have this experience in the first place, if that makes sense. What could you tell about the, um, the planetary process that we are experiencing right now with climate change and war? And what would you tell us that's going on in terms of soul soul's evolution and what you see what you see happening planet earth in terms of evolution or collective evolution so what the elders have said is that in every lifetime in which we've existed we've experienced climate changes we've experienced wars and revolutions we've experienced famine and disease and many have taken up causes to right those wrongs. And what they suggest is that we've done that for many, many lifetimes. And they also said that they believe that it's great to right a wrong. And they would never say that it's a bad thing to right a wrong. But what they suggest is that we've been doing that for many lifetimes. And ask. If now isn't the time to get about why we came here in the first place, to get about why we chose to incarnate, and that is to experience and express the purpose that we sought to understand by the doings that we do within this earth space. And so many things that I look at and I used to look at with a degree of angst in my past, I look now as a gift. And I'm grateful for the difference because it's all about the diversity of choice of what we now can see we really like or what we really don't like. Like there's not a lukewarm or vanilla type of experience. We either really like this thing or we really don't like this thing. And so there's really not the gray that there used to be or have been in times past. And I see that as a true gift so that we can experience and know what it, what it is that we choose to experience and know. And so my perspective has shifted so much on what, you know, what life is because the elders have been a lifeline for me. And cause me to see life totally differently than I would if I did not have access to them. And that's why I'm developing events 
and um, have different objectives of speaking and traveling and going to different places to speak before groups when there are those who come back and say, ah, oh, we have a area that we have a number of people that would be interested in hearing you speak because it's all about changing perspectives and looking at life differently. Oh, thanks so much for sharing. Well, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, so how people can find you and how can they can find their, your books? So the books are on Amazon and they can find me on advancedenergetics.org. We have a YouTube channel where the meditations are up and insights are given. We've got about 200 blog posts in our blog area that are all universal truths. And there's a form that they can fill out if they have a speaking opportunity or they'd like to attend an event. I've got one coming up in Sedona in April. And so it's just all a matter of, you know, wanting life to be in the way that it was meant to be. And that is a loving gift to experience what we didn't know when we were more spiritually based. Thanks, Robin. It was very amazing. And Thank I hope you, we can chat in time soon. <laughs> Look forward to it. Thank you.